Hello and welcome to Keep Right On, a Birmingham City podcast brought to you by us at Birmingham Live. I'm Brian Dick and I'm joined as ever by our Blues reporter, Alex Dickin. And also you'll notice by two new guests who we hope you'll become familiar with if you don't already know them from their Blues Insights on social media. Uh, welcome Ryan Deeney and uh, Ben from Blues Breakdown. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, it's brilliant to have you here with us. Hopefully we'll see plenty of, of you over the coming months. Uh, thanks for agreeing to take part and we really look forward to your viewpoint on what is often a head-spinning world of Birmingham City. So, uh, straight down to it. Um, the transfer window closed at 11, 11 o'clock last night, although for Blues it was more like 7 o'clock when the club's media staff were sent home. Alex was at the training ground in Henley and Arden for uh, Tony Moby's press conference yesterday and following those events, uh, which I have to say were all rather, um, I don't know, what were we saying, organised, structured, dare mm. I say sen- sensible. Uh, there was no bright Enabakari or Renat Dadashov antics from anybody last night. Alex, um, Alex, what did you make of it all? I, I you know, it wasn't head spinning when we came on there. It wasn't head spinning at all, was it? It was actually very straightforward and simple for once. Um, even the Summer Blues made a couple of signs on deadline day. There was a last minute deal for Oliver Burke, but this time around, it was it was plain sailing. We kind of got the impression from Tony Mowbray straight away in his in his press conference that they wouldn't be able to do anything unless somebody somebody left the club, and there were none of those kind of out of contract players in six months time who are willing to to step forward and and you know give up the final five months of their deal and and move on somewhere else so um they would have liked to sign a goalkeeper uh we'll come on to that in more detail later uh but it, it wasn't going to happen without somebody leaving so um we all ended ended up finishing a little bit earlier than anticipated well, i know i did Brian. i'm not sure you did but um yeah it was uh it was it was nice to to you know, work in a window where Blues were very organised from right from the outset when Tony Mowbray arrived, and that couldn't have been easy given the change of manager. Uh, no, I didn't finish early at all. Uh, in my current role, I get to read about Stoke City and Forest and all the other Midland sides, and Stoke City completed three or four deals in the, uh, pretty much after 11 o'clock. It was an absolute hailstorm of, uh, of stuff coming out of Stoke. But, um, yeah, there we, there we go. Um, Ryan, um Welcome. Um, what? What? Tell us a little bit about where people can find your stuff and uh, your thoughts about. I think about the um, the transfer window as a whole, please. And so, oh, yeah, obviously, I'm Ryan. <laughs> um, uh, my stuff can be found on Substack, so um, you'll be able to find the link on my uh, Twitter page, which is at Ryan Deeney two one nine four. Um. Transfer deadline day, to be honest, I was part of the um the not the top twenty podcast uh, transfer deadline day feed yesterday that they did on their website. And it was all a little quiet and then as always happens, it reached sort of nine o'clock, ten o'clock, and everything just seemed to be happening at once. Um obviously a lot of loan deals seem to be happening, which I'm guessing is normally the case on deadline day anyway. Um so the transfer deadline as a whole, I think it was just like quarter the normal. Um, and it was nice for Blues to be in a situation whereby, from our perspective, you know, we weren't rushing around. We weren't desperate signing players. When you think of the last two windows, you know, we were desperate to sign a striker in the summer and end up with Oli Burke. We were desperate to sign a left-back in January and we ended up giving Emmanuel Longella a three-year deal, I think. And obviously signing him permanently after losing, missing out on other targets. So it was nice to have a window where you can be relatively satisfied with what you've got while also, you know, kind of wishing you may be brought in that extra player or two. 
Um, but I think we're in a good spot anyway, uh, moving forward now. Yeah, but Ben, um, I said I wasn't going to individually introduce every invite everyone into the conversation, but I will just say hello to you, Ben, as it's as it's your first time we're hearing from you. Tell us where we can find your stuff and and your thoughts about the transfer window as a whole, please. Uh, yeah, good morning. Thanks for, for having me on. Uh, yes, you can follow me on Twitter or X as it is these days at Blues underscore Breakdown. Um, yeah, the transfer window as, as a whole, I think, was fairly successful from a from a Birmingham perspective, and I think we'll come on to some of the reasons why a little bit later on. Uh, deadline day, yeah, none of the drama that we've had uh, over the last couple, I guess, which is is nice although i think as fans you're always desperate for that kind of you know that rumor out of nowhere and you know that last minute player that becomes available that's all quite exciting but no nice to see that probably the club had a plan from the outset and by and large i think they'll be they'll be happy with what they've got did wonder if there might be another signing later on in the day with um alex pritchard being announced fairly early yesterday morning um, you know, tends to be. I, I think if they've got only one to announce on a deadline day, they might drag it out as as long as they possibly can. But no, I think um, relatively relatively satisfied with 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 the lot that we've got at the moment to see us through to the rest of the season. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, the the last minute rumor that that you were looking forward to is the stuff that makes mine and Alex's blood yeah. blood run cold. <laughs> I was I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was dreading that that sort of thing. God, uh, thankfully it didn't happen. Um, I, I think probably my worst ever transfer day was the uh, j- the January twenty twenty one. Uh, January twenty twenty uh, was when um, Blues were. I made reference to it in the intro when, when Blues were trying to sign Brighton and Bakari, uh, and it, it was a deal that was on at the start of the window, then off towards the end of the window, then back on and off in the space of a day twice. On transfer deadline day, and then then they immediate then they went to um, this uh, mon- this this um, striker called Azerbaijan. Uh, Azerbaijani, yeah, yeah. Azerbaijani lad called Renat Dadashev, uh, who, and we're talking a five to eleven here now, and it, and it, and it all seems like yeah, it's it's all going to go through. They've at least got a body in, albeit someone who'd never played senior football, and uh, and then he decided he didn't want to come, so. Whilst whilst some people some blues fans are, are feasting on that on that kind of uncertainty and excitement, I cannot tell you how stressful it is, isn't it, is it, Alex? Yeah, and also, how often do you get a good player right at the end of the transfer window? You know, I'm I'm not <laughs> digging out Oliver Burke again, uh, but you know, three mentions that, already, Oliver Burke. That, well, <laughs> that one hasn't worked yet, and that was a, that was a probably a last a last minute deal in the in the summer. Um, so yeah, you don't you don't. There's a reason why you know. All these players that are available at the end of the window, isn't there? Uh, it's because they haven't been signed beforehand. So um, I, th- I was, it was really, really pleased to see Blues get those three deals done relatively early. Yeah. So let's come to them, um, Alex Pritchard. Um, ben, what's your percent? I know you 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 dig do deep dive into the into the stats and, and how players perform. Where, where what's your perception of uh, of Alex Pritchard? Um. Yeah, I think I think Alex Pritchard's a really tidy signing for us on a for a number of reasons. Um, not least the fact that he's worked under Tony Mowbray previously and, and fairly recently as well. Obviously during his time up at up at Sunderland, um, plenty of experience, both Championship and a little bit of Premier League experience as well. Is he thirty years old now? He's been around, seen it, done it. Um, 
And I've always thought as a player, he probably brings a little bit of bite to the side as well. He's got a little bit of, little bit about him. Um, certainly not going to be be pushed around despite his uh, diminutive size on the pitch. Um, so, yeah, I think we were linked with him two, two seasons yeah. ago, two years ago. I think at that point then, my thoughts were a little bit, could we do better? And then when he rocked up at Sunderland... I kind of went, oh, yeah, okay. Um, and it was one of those when he when we didn't get in that I wasn't overly fussed about. I think, you know, the, the reported fee that we've probably paid for him and things like that this time round, I, I think it's a really, really sensible, sensible deal. I think, you know, we've probably had to offer him the sweetener of a two and a half year deal to to get him to come. But I think he's a player that's gonna make a, an immediate impact and he's probably gonna uh elevate the side right away. Um, and I think, you know, as much as we really enjoy the signings of young up and coming players from League One or League Two or whatever, I think there's a lot to be said for getting guys in who've yeah, been there, done it, seen it um, and can make it an immediate impact, even if it is across a shorter time period, six to 18 months or so. So, yeah, no, I, I like it. Do you see him as a bit of a cheat code for uh, to to sort of get Mowbray ball and underway a little bit? Do we do we think that's what's going on there? Mm. I think so. I think um, I get the impression we're going to not. I've said this pre. I, I don't think he necessarily will transform our season into something incredible now, mm. but I think he'll help with the transformation of getting Mowbray ball up and running. And I think what we'll find is, obviously, he provides that bit of bite, he provides that energy, he provides the quality. But I think we'll also see someone who is likely to be a bit of a leader and a bit of an organiser on the pitch as well. You'll see things that are happening, you'll see the game happening, see the pictures. And you'll, you know, you'll probably see him organising other people as well, or maybe moving himself into different positions in order to make us, you know, get on the ball and start ticking. Um, and, you know, supporting his other guys. Obviously, you've got JJ in midfield, you've got Bakuna, who's always a bit, you know, here, there, and everywhere. Um, the Dow's still, you know, a relatively young and younger player. Um, so I think he'll help in sort of that aspect too, where he'll provide a bit of leadership in that midfield, which is something that we've probably lacked for quite a while now. I know we're certainly lacking it last season at times when, when you think of that bad run we had last year, and you kind of you've got Bielik in the middle of midfield, and then you've got Hannibal, you've got Chong, you've got obviously again, I know Bakuna's more experienced player now, but you can't really sort of rely on him to do a role and stick to that position, can you? Um, so I think Pritchard provides a lot of that as much as, um, you know, the, the natural quality that he will bring. Yeah, I remember Pritchard uh, playing for Brentford. I think he was on loan from Tottenham at the time. And he uh, he wound Stephen Gleeson up to the point where a normally fairly mild man in Gleeson just ended up kicking him and get, getting sent off. And then uh, Gleeson was first out of the training room, out, out of the dressing room, came down the tunnel and... Uh, he actually stopped and said, uh, "Do you want to do an interview?" And I can count on the hands, on on the fingers of one hand, the number of times players have said, "Do you want to do an interview?" Uh, and he was very apologetic. So yeah, that that was my first time that Alex Pritchard came into my life, albeit not very far. I suppose I I think I'm burnt by the past. I, I see thirty years old. I see a two and a half year contract, and I'm a little bit oh no, we've done we've done this before. But I don't suppose we have any other option but to trust Mowbray to bring in the players at this stage of, of, of the evolution of the team, right? Yeah, no, but I mean, if you look at the players who you're probably referring to there, I mean, players don't, you know, they're not finished at 32, are they? And that's where he'll be when that contract comes to end or maybe 33. 
So I think it's a player who's still in his prime. You know, his, his game's never been based around speed as an explosiveness. So he's not gonna he's not gonna instantly you know have a significant drop off over two or three months. I wouldn't think so. Um, I really like this signing. Of the, of the three, this is the one that really stands out to me as somebody who can come in, have that instant impact. And we mentioned actually at the in recent podcast about Mowbray wanting a couple of bodies in who could show the team how to play the way he wants, who could control the ball and manipulate the ball. And I think Pritchard, along with Dazelle, probably are the two that, that he was alluding to or thinking about there. Uh, Sung Ho Peck is obviously a, another player of of great potential we might as well come on to now. Um, someone with 15 caps for a very, very good national team um, who's played in Europe before, got a lot of experience in the K-League, wants to break into English football. Um, bit of an all-rounder in midfield as far as I'm aware. So, yeah, that that one I think will take a little bit more time because he's he's almost having pre-season, having finished his league season in, in, in Korea two months ago. But the other two strike me as players who will instantly make an impact and instantly probably be in the starting level. Where do we see Shanks fitting in, guys? Is, is it in the, the sort of the deeper line midfield roles, getting the ball off the off the off the defenders? Um yeah, I've watched four or five full Kaylee games that he played last season. Um and I, I think what's one of the things that struck me most was how adaptable and versatile he is as a player. So, you know, a couple of games where he was playing in a midfield two and a four, two, three, one, where he was dropping really, really deep, um, almost between the two central defenders, taking the ball from them, being that kind of um, orchestrator from of the attacks, um, building forward. Um, he, pl- he played in a midfield two and a Four-four-two. Uh, I think he's played a couple of games uh, as a striker, even um, few in a, an attacking midfield role. So he's he's really adaptable and versatile. I think that's something that Mowbray's come out and said in recent weeks that he he likes players like that. I think he referenced the other day, didn't he, that um, Cody Drummay could play as a right back or even as a as a right centre back. So having somebody who's able to do that, I think, is um, is crucial in in a squad. Um, where do I see him fitting in best? And I know having kind of spoken to a few people on Twitter and um, who've seen him play a lot more, they kind of say he's, his role is he's better going forward. Um, I, th- I from from having watched him a little bit, and, you know, he's only four or five games. I think he he could be really really crucial and could be that missing link that we've um, that's evaded this Blues team for a long time in terms of somebody that can take the ball from defence and transition it forward. He looked really, really comfortable um, receiving the ball on the half turn or facing his own goal and then turning into midfield before progressing the ball forwards. Uh, you can see that he's been part of um, Barcelona's famed La Masia Academy. Um, he's always finding space. He's constantly moving. Um, he looks like he's thinking a couple of steps ahead as well. Um, so all, all of this, I think, is things that have been missing from this Blues midfield for a, for a long time and I think will only benefit in um, the way that we want all this transition to the way that we want to play and the way that Mowbray wants to play. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm this is probably the, the, the sign that I'm most excited for because I think it's a little bit unknown and it's a bit different. Um, you know, it, it, what was he first first South Korean player for the for Blues men's team. So, yeah, really exciting, that one. Yeah, he's the one that excites me. I think it's quite telling that the three players that have come in 
are all midfielders, isn't it? And uh, you know that's the issue. That's the area that that, that Mowbray's addressed. You know, we're we're all jumping up and down about goalkeepers and strikers, and uh, and, and Mowbray's brought in three midfielders. Yeah, there was there was actually a moment yesterday in the in the press conference that he talked about the two midfielders that he, he named in his first blue starting eleven being Ivan Sunjic and Christian Bielik and actually saying they have great qualities, but uh, in terms of technically and playing the ball forward, it's probably not their greatest strength and that Bielik's now moved to a to a defensive position where he's obviously more more comfortable than, than the blue centre-backs in playing the ball through those lines into midfield. And Sunjic is, is a different type of midfielder to the, the other three that Blues have now got in Jordan James, Andre Dezel and, and Sung Ho Peck. So, um, there's probably still a role for him as well. I know we're going to come on to him a little bit later too, but um, yeah, it just feels like there's a there's a nice balance to it now. To be honest, what we say so as a taking the the window as a whole, players that did players that came, players that didn't go, you know, players that didn't come that you, you didn't want to come. Ryan, what was your what was the what was your the best thing about Blues transfer window? Do you think? I think it is just that we look like we're in a better place to be able to play the kind of football everyone wants to play now you know all season when you think back to the games under Eustace a lot of our play tends to come from out wide and then try and move back inside so we tend to play a lot with um you know either led or drama down the right and then Anderson or then Belay down the left and that was kind of our avenue so Long would see less of the ball Bielik and Sonny could be there to basically bring their midfield on and it'd be Sanderson and Buchanan that would start the play in those sort of like inside, sort of kind of like wide centre-back positions. Um, and that's where a lot of our play started from if it wasn't us, you know, winning the ball and higher up. So it gives us the option. Mowbray obviously wants us to start trying to beat the ball through the centre of the pitch and sort of cut teams open to be able to get the wide men involved higher up the pitch rather than having to drive us forward. Um, and I think that provides us with more of a, yeah, the, the signings obviously give us that balance to be able to try and do that. Hopefully we've got more technical ability in there and um, you can just trust the players. Obviously, you know, we saw at the weekend with, you know, Sonny losing the ball twice against Leicester in, you know, tight sort of areas where you can't entirely blame him for losing the ball, but at the same time, you're kind of hoping that a better, more naturally gifted footballer sort of keeps the ball in those situations and doesn't lose it there. And I think that's what we're probably seeing more of now. Um, and when you look at it from another perspective, to Zal's left-footed, and it might seem a silly little thing, but it can now open the ball out onto his left. So we've got a midfield, we've got midfielders that are right-footed that can move the ball that way. We've got a left-footed midfielder in there now. We sort of naturally will open up towards his left foot. So again, you've kind of got that option to be able to play both sides rather than you know potentially. Bielik and Sonic played a lot of their passes where they received the ball off Sanderson or Laird and it'd be either straight back to the centre half or they'd just feed it around the corner rather than maybe opening back out to open the play up from there. Um, so, yeah, it just gives us a lot more options in terms of the way we can play now rather than uh, yeah, having to move in specific ways down the pitch to um, get sort of, you know, key players involved and get us into the final third. Yeah, it's interesting. So Dazelle is is one of those the left of the two deep alignment pivots. You could see him opening up his body and bringing Dembele into the game more, can't you? And and, and it's, it's interesting that is because uh, Enzo Maresca um, at Leicester all has spoken endlessly about need, needing a um, a left footed 
left centre back uh, for his three at the back, and uh, because as you say there, um, Ryan, it just means the le the left side of the pitch is available to you. So, yeah, that's yeah, that that is interesting, and and he. It was interesting that he made reference to the fact that he's left-footed. He called it a wand of a left foot, didn't he? So, um, so yeah, that that is that that does sound really promising. Yeah, I think one of the things as well we should probably more of love. Obviously, uh, I'm going to say his name right now, but Pogs and Ho. You know, obviously, as Alex has mentioned, you know, he's coming into the league. He's not played since December. He's probably going to have a mini pre-season. He's going to take a little bit of time to adapt. Whereas Pritchard and Dazal, they've already started 15-20 games in this league mm. this season they're not coming in you know having not kicked a ball or campaign they know the division they know exactly what's needed they you know they come in and they should be able to just step straight into the side in order to give us what we need in there rather than say having to slowly bring them into the fold which you know again is important in terms of Moby I suppose trying to make things happen sooner rather than later Ben, what was your hot, the best the best thing that what did or didn't happen in in the transfer window? You, you can you can say Mowbray coming in if you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that was uh, you know that's, I think that's a really great addition, and he's certainly seemed to bring some of the feel good factor back that was there at the the start of the season and kind of unite the the fan base again. Um, I don't think you can underestimate the fact that we've kept hold of both Jay Stansfield and uh, Jordan James. Um, I think that's that's pretty big for our season. I would say, and possibly an, a slightly unpopular take, I don't think it would have completely derailed our season had JJ have gone um, as, 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 good, as good as he's been recently. I, yeah, I don't think it would have massively derailed our season. I think Stansfield going back or going elsewhere probably would have been a bigger miss the Blues in the second half of the season. So yeah, I think the fact that we've got got him until until the end of the year is is fantastic. Um, so yeah, probably probably that to be honest, and less so about the incomings, more about those that that didn't go out the door. You've absolutely stolen my answer there, so I'm going to hand mm. straight over to Alex. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I I would say exactly the same about Stamsford. I think. Because he is the only, I mean, not, I don't think he's really a striker, but because he's the only guy who can play higher up the pitch out of those forwards, um, losing him and those nine goals that he scored and some of those would be very, very crucial goals, I think would have been, you know, disastrous for Blues. Then you'd have to go out and replace him. And we've already said how hard it is to find a striker in, in January or a forward who can score goals in January. Um, you know, <laughs> having to having to replace Jay Stansfield would have been, would have been um, pretty much impossible. So, that was the big one for me. I actually agree with with Ben on JJ, and we've spoken about JJ before, but I don't think losing him would have been, you know, disastrous if the fear had been good in this window. But I, I'm actually very glad they've they've kept him because I think that with the prospect of him going to the Euros in the summer and potentially playing there for Wales and doing well, coupled with working under Mowbray for another four months, you know, he's got I think he'll have a year plus a year's option left on his contract at the end of this season, so two years effectively. Blues could command big money for him. And they, you know, Tony Mowbray's always already started to reference that Adam Walton transfer to Crystal Palace for, you know, rising to £22 million. So, you know, if it was going to be, say, £10 million in this window, there's no reason why it couldn't be £20 million in the summer if he continues along this trajectory. Six goals in 25 games, whatever, for midfield is a really, really good return. Yeah, I, I actually thought JJ, I thought JJ's game against Leicester last last 
weekend was the best I've seen him play for Blues. I just thought he was head and shoulders the leader on uh, of that team for me. Mm. Uh, and I, I know he had a really good preseason, but he, even then, he, you know, he didn't get into Eustace's side, and it was oh, where does he fit in, in, in into, this, into this situation or into this into this formation? Now, I don't mind if he if he plays in in the pivot. I don't mind if he plays in in you know one of the tens. It just it just feels like he can do it all now. So yeah, I'm. Jay, you, you, uh, it, it, the penny's really dropped, and he's playing football like a man now, isn't he, JJ? I think um, that's one of the. I think that's the big thing is that young players. The development can be so like it's not linear, is it? And mm. you can. I think we've seen it before. Like I think Demi Gray had one of those things where you know he came in looked like a kid and all of a sudden he just it was like he was quicker than everybody else he was you know strong and he could take anybody on like he just looked like an absolute you know real threat all of a sudden and just sort of turned into a a kid into a fully fledged first team player i wonder how much the confidence taken from his games for wales has helped with that mm. and i think it was a curious sort of timing whereby you know Eustace left he played that game against croatia in that international break came back and almost like I'm guessing regular game time for Blues helped, but afterwards, but he seemed to come back with this like different sort of, I don't know, almost like different stature about him. Yeah. Um, just to answer the question on the best thing about the win, though, I think the off-field news is probably as big as the on-field news, isn't it? I think being able to look forward to the summer now with the stadium sponsor, the OVG sponsorship, um, we're in a position where, but we probably knew anyway, even if we didn't do anything in this window, we were probably going to stay up now. Nobody's in charge. So being able to look ahead and know that things are going to take place in the summer that, are, you know, it, it feels like a completely different world all of a sudden. And I think that's probably the big news in the January window that as bad as it sounds, you almost think we get through these next five months and see sort of slight changes and stuff like that. And come the summer, you know that you've got this potentially really, really exciting window again. Yeah, here's a set they're talking about, you know, which foot a midfielder plays with. And, you know, the landscape the landscape has actually changed, hasn't it? it, it you know, in, in the last month or so, you know, with the with the war on on K-pop and, and the stadium, you know, and the stadium naming. You know, it's it's absolutely, you know, we, we're talking details and actually the bigger picture is just absolutely unrecognisable. You, you referenced Dimmy Gray um, there, Ryan. Jimmy Gray left in a in a January transfer window, didn't he? When the previous regime sold him for three point seven five million, um, you know, and it was just a fraction. He was worth twice that at, at the time, and I, I know transfers fees have inflated, but that was, was just a bit of a panic thing, wasn't it? Blues had no bargaining power. They they you know you know they convinced him to sign a sign a new contract the previous summer, but with a low release release clause in it. These the current ownership. You know they they have the power because they have the money now, don't they? And 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 all these, you know, all, all these off-field initiatives, just they're they're making my trust issues melt away. I've got to say. Um, so yeah, but yeah, you make you make a good a good point there. Um, is there anything we'd have liked to have happened that didn't happen? The 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 only thing I can think of is the <laughs> the goalkeeper situation, but that was always towards the end of the window, wasn't it? It's probably. Obviously, not something Blue set out to do because they've got two goalkeepers who are out of contract in the summer. But you know, injuries happen, don't they? Um, hopefully, Blues can get through it. So that's the only thing I'd, I'd look at. I'm, I'm, I wasn't really having the striker thing, to be honest. 
Um, I know it's going to be an unpopular opinion, but you know when you look at Mowbray Sunderland team, they played with two false nines. Is effectively playing that way now with with Pritchard potentially and and also Jay Stansfield. So um, there's loads of players you can fit into those two positions up front. You've got Tyler Roberts behind behind those two. You've got Bakuna who played well against Stoke. Um, Dembele could probably do it as well. We know Koji Miyoshi can do it. Keshi Anderson's almost out of the picture now. He's, he, he was very good at the start of the season. So there are lots of options in those positions. George Hall's coming back as well. Another big one. Um, so I, I didn't think a striker was, you know, absolutely essential. I'd rather Blues wait and get the right player in the summer. Right. And it's a, go on. Yeah, I think it's quite telling as well, really, isn't it? The, you know, even there weren't any sort of real tangible links to a striker in the window necessarily, you know, so it, it, it didn't ever appear to be something that was on the minds of the club or of, of Mowbray necessarily, it, despite the fact, you know, that quite a few fans have, have called for, you know, the fact that we need a striker. And I think you're, you're spot on Alex in terms of Mowbray has played previously without any recognised strikers. You know, Alex Pritchard did it a, um, a fair bit last season. Um, and I think actually the, the wide players in this system will be, uh, you know, a really crucial to contributing towards towards the goals as well. So, yeah, I'm, I, I guess I'm with you a little bit um, in terms of, uh, I, yeah, a striker would have been fantastic, but you know, you don't get those sorts of strikers in 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 January. And I'm glad, you know, that we didn't push through a sale of JJ below market value just to, you know, splash five, you know, a couple of million on a striker that in six months time, we kind of look at and go, probably not going to be at the requisite level for what we need going forward. Um, yeah. The, the, the whole approach just seems to have been, let's get through to the summer. And that's where the, um, the rebuild essentially will take place. And that's where they're, they're going to put their, their money. I think we saw this under Zola as well. Then we were, you know, we went into the January window and what we saw in that window, Craig Gardner aside, we signed a young kid up front. Then we signed fullbacks and wingers and you haven't actually addressed the central part of the team, which is going to be pivotal to us being able to you know, play the kind of football that we want to play. So addressing those sort of more defensive areas in the centre of the pitch first is probably a lot more important than... You know, bringing in a striker this window or, you know, having to change the goalkeeper who is, you know, still a very competent goalkeeper at the level. Um, so I'd probably say that we've we've gone the right way about it. And worst comes to the worst, you know, if we did have a massive run of injuries or something like that, you know that you can still call upon Hogan, Djokovic. They are still players that are capable of performing in the championship and doing a job mm-hmm. for us um, until the end of the season. So it's not like you're in a situation where you've got, you know, Stansfield, the only striker we've got, and we've just got kids coming through afterwards. We have got players that are competent at the level behind them. They're just not what we need or want moving forward. You know, we want better moving forward, which is absolutely fine. Yeah, I'd, like Alex, I think I'd say just maybe the goalkeeper, but it's not, we don't know actually know how serious John Ruddy's injury is. Mm. Um, but you know, if if Blues, let's say it's five games, and I am absolutely guessing there. Let's say it's five games, and Blues have to play Neil Etheridge for five games. You know, yeah, yes, he's not Edison, is he? But you know, he he's still a very competent shot stopper and, and commands his area pr- pretty well when when he's on his game. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 th- I think you're right, Ryan. I agree with you actually. I, you know, get, getting getting players who can get the ball into into those into the the final third. 
is more important than worrying about who's in the final third. So, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, best 11. Uh, this, I'm, I don't... I don't. I think this might get a bit sticky if we all just sit and reel off four, four um, different elevens. Alex, you, you wrote a piece with your, with your favoured eleven yesterday. Why don't you give us that, and uh, us three will pick it apart. Okay. So, um, I'm now talking when everyone's fit, when everyone's physically up to speed as well. So, Ruddy and goal, right back Laird, centre back Sanderson and Bielik for the way Mowbray wants to play. Left back Buchanan. Two defensive-minded midfielders. I do think Dazelle will start initially, but, you know, on paper, I'm going with Peck and Jordan James. Um, and then the three in front, right side, Miyoshi, left side, Dembele, Pritchard behind Jay Stansfield. I've got exactly the same 11 written down. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, all right. Ben, kill him. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, to be fair, I've I've got the same 11 as well with a couple of asterisks um i think i i wouldn't have i wouldn't lose any sleep if cody dramay started ahead of ethan mm. laird okay. um laird probably gives you a little bit more impetus going forward but i certainly don't think that it's a it's a weak point for dramay at mm. all um, and I guess what you get with, despite the fact that he, he is injured currently, I think obviously you get a little bit more um, availability from, from Cody Dramay. Um, and then the only other one, and it, it um, Alex, I think you mentioned him earlier, so probably a good time to talk about him, even Sunjic. Now, I'm not a big Sunjic fan. Um, I ha never have been. Um but I do think he still potentially has a slight role to play, or certainly has a role to play in the rest of this season. Um, I don't think Peck is a ball winner. Um, even when he plays in those deeper midfield roles, he and it's not a you know it's not that he shirks away from it or that you know physically he's not able. It's just not part of his game. That's not what it's about. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. So, I th yeah, potentially, I think, you, you know, I, I do think there is an opportunity for, for Sunnich to still be involved. Obviously, what you lose with him being in the side is um, technical quality on the ball. Um, so it's a, it, it's a toss-up. But then it's difficult because Pritchard, you would think, is probably going to be a fairly guaranteed start to moving forward and then you've got to fit JJ into that as well so yeah and, and obviously you've got the Zell to play a part as well so yeah really difficult one but it was just an asterisk that I put against against Sunjic. To be fair there's nothing saying Blues can't be flexible in formation as well like they could quite easily play a 4-3-3 and put Pritchard off the left to begin with JJ could play as the 10 um, with Peck and potentially Sunjic in games where they are going to have less of the ball. So it could be a 4-3-3 slash 4-2-3-1, but a slightly more defensively minded one. Um, they've got a lot of a lot of good players for those positions. I think the, the great thing that they have done by signing these two midfield players is they've succession planned in the event that JJ does leave in the summer. Um, so that they wouldn't need to go out and you know have clubs hold them to ransom, knowing they've got a big transfer kitty because they've sold a player for... You know, let's say it's fifteen million to a to a side. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I think it's been a really really shrewd 
move to address those positions first. Um, Alex, you've put on here something about um, about uh, Jace, uh, Jace Stansfield. This, this is from, from Ben's point, to be fair. Um, when we were kind of drafting up ideas for this podcast, Ben mentioned about um, Jace Stansfield. You know, with Hogan, Djokovic both out of contract in the summer, Stansfield coming to the end of his loan. Uh, Blues could effectively go into the summer window without a striker. So the question is, would you put all your eggs into Stansfield's basket? and try and sign him permanently from Fulham, because we know Tony Mopre has already suggested that he would like to do that. Or do you spread the money out that it would take to sign Stansfield over two or three different forwards? Interesting. I think right. for me, we're going to need to bring in a lot of footballers in the summer again. We know that we're probably heading towards a summer where we have to sign about 10 players a game. Mm. So spending that kind of money right now doesn't seem the wisest thing in the world unless you absolutely know he's a you know guaranteed sure thing i think there comes a time where you make all those changes you put yourself in a much better position and hopefully this will come by the you know summer of what would it be 25 um and we are in a position where we actually only need to add three or four players to improve the quality of the squad and that's where you can maybe go right we've got 10 million to play with here um you know, we can get him on a free, we can get him for that, might be able to bring him on loan, and then we've got, you know, another eight million to play with, and we can make that big signing and sort of bring them in. And so I think this summer's probably not the one where you go, let's spend 10 million on a footballer. Um, but, I mean, obviously, if the club can make that kind of thing work, and particularly for someone like Stansfield, who you know is ceiling so high, Mm. Um, and you know everyone at the club seems to absolutely adore him the fans love him so you know if you can make it work I guess you make it work but for now I don't think this summer's the one where we start spend, splashing out five million on every single footballer it's you know, we've got a lot of work to sort out just to get us in a position whereby we are ready to challenge um, but that could also come from a point of view of not maybe knowing what the budget is you know we might have a very very good budget and even better no, even bigger than our wildest dreams this summer. We, I guess we don't know yet. <laughs> well, yeah. three million bonus from that BTS round. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, might that go on a certain copyright <laughs> copyright situation? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think my my concern is is putting. I think the eggs to put into Stansfield's basket. I think Stansfield's basket will be very deep and you need a lot of eggs, as in he's going to cost a lot of money. I don't think Fulham will necessarily be read, quite ready to cash in on him yet. I think they'll potentially want to have a look at him in, in the Premier League or or else loan him to a lower prem, you know, to another Premier League side or real top-end championship side. Mm. I don't think Blues are quite in the market where, yes, we're going to have deeper pockets. I don't know if the pockets will be that deep to, you know, pay £10 million for, for Stansfield um, if, if, if that's what it what it'll cost. As, as as attractive as, as it would seem, because yeah, he's he's he is. The, we haven't replaced Shea Adams. We were saying this earlier, but is as close as as we've got to replacing Shea Adams, isn't mm. it? Is, isn't he really? Ben, it was your question. What what, what what's your, or your point? What's your uh, theory on it? Um, yeah, I th uh, I'd echo Ryan's points. I think that the, the you know the squad overall this summer is going to be massive and with you know the the, the churn of players is going to be huge and there'll be at least 10 new additions you would think during the summer um without knowing anything to do with what that 
transfer budget might look like. It's it's difficult um, to say yes. We, we, you know, we throw the money that would be required at him to sign him, albeit I would absolutely love love to because I think on the evidence of this season, I would put a fair amount of money on him being successful going forward. Um, I don't feel like it would be a, you know, a massive, massive risk to say, actually, if we, we spend eight, 10 million on him, that he's mm. going to, he's going to flop. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. It, it, we, we're going to need lots of incomings and blowing the entire budget potentially on, on a single player is, is not the wisest thing to do. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's the route that the club would go down. Um, having just sat here listening to, to you guys talking about it, if the option became available to loan him for a second season for a couple of million, let's say, you know, Fulham turn around and say, well, you can have him back, but you know, it will cost you a couple of million in a, in a loan fee. Is, is that one where we're shaking their hand pretty quickly and saying, yep. Yeah. Snapping, yeah. snapping the arm <laughs> off. I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's hard not to want something more permanent, isn't it? That That's a difficult one. I'd, if you, you'd like to think the club are working on targets now, wouldn't you, in terms of the summer and maybe having an idea of what type of profile of striker Mowbray wants and who we, you know, could potentially sign this summer. It feels like one of them where you'd probably reach maybe the end of July, August, and if you haven't got anybody in or you haven't got the right targets in, then maybe you go back and look at it. But it's hard not to want something more permanent, you know, try and, avoid maybe relying on loans so much i know they're always going to be an important part but maybe try to avoid a reliance on loans so much which is hard because you know i absolutely love stansfield but ultimately he's not the only striker out there that can score goals and maybe might actually want a different profile of striker in the summer too um think of the guys that he had at blackburn they were all shapes and sizes weren't they so um yeah but i, I suspect regardless because of the internationals um the euros of this summer as well aren't there um, we'll be in a position whereby Fulham are prop, you know, most Premier League clubs are going to keep hold of their talent until um, close to the end of the summer um, for the start of the season before they start letting them go out. So I'd imagine it'd be a case of if we can't if we can't bring in the permanent options before then, then hopefully we can sort of go back and maybe that would just be an option we keep on the table for you know something exciting before the start of the season, maybe. Just, yeah. just, just to counter it. Um, I, I, if it's like six to eight million pounds for Stansfield, given that he's 21 years old, you know, like Ben said earlier, I think it's a relatively low risk deal. I, I, you know, from everything we've seen of Stansfield, I think he's going to go on to have a good career. And I think it's a player at that fee, Blues could probably make money on in a few years anyway. If the, if the money's there, I, I would be inclined to try and do it, to be honest. If Blues could reach that number, when you when you think it could be could only be two two years of social media bonuses anyway, couldn't it really? Um, so I I would I would try and do everything they possibly can to make Stansfield a permanent Blues player because I think I don't think he's going to outgrow the Championship this year. I don't think he's going to be ready for the Premier League next year. To be honest, I think he's probably going to need another year in the Championship. So why not play for a Blues team? You know, with players he's played with for a season already, with fans in front of fans who love him. You know, and help the team challenge at the right end of the league next year. Depends how 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 big the money, the money, how much money there is, isn't it? Really, if, if yeah. you can, if you can do what Ryan said, and build, put the building blocks in place, and get 
Stansfield on top, then obviously you do it as well, don't you? Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm conscious we've got quite got some questions, um, which I'd like to move on to. Um, John Sambrooks, uh, do you think they'll offer JJ a, con- a new contract to either secure long term future or increase his value uh, for the for the summer window? What do you reckon? This feels like it'd be naive not to have those conversations, wouldn't it? Yeah. Whether we can actually get it over the line with um, the money on offer, I'd imagine from us, you know, if he's talking Premier League, that immediately there's just a huge increase in wage that we're just not going to compete with, isn't there? Um, mm. In the Championship, unless we start doing daft things like we were under Dong. So um, that, that, that to me just seems like you've got to ask the question, but whether it ends up with a case of we, he signs a new contract with a release clause in based on us not winning promotion or something, I mm. guess you guys might have a better idea of how these things work than uh, we do as fans. I think the thing, thing I'd say about, about JJ, I think the club probably, you know, you, you tend to look at contracts with about 18 months left, don't you? So, you know, they have got an option. So we're getting towards that, you know, they've got two years at the end of this season, effectively, with the option. Um I think you probably have to acknowledge now that he's the club's most valuable asset. So you're probably going to need to start paying him like he's one of your most valuable assets and most valuable players. So probably put him in the in the top bracket of earners. That's not going to be what it was, you know, three years ago at Birmingham City. And, you know, he'd get more money if he went to a Premier League club or a, even a Serie A club. But I, th- I, I I'd be surprised if Blues didn't do everything they can to keep him beyond the summer if he didn't leave in the summer. Um, but I, I think it tra- the landscape's changed now. I think the next six months, his value is going to rocket. Um, I think his value can only go up. So Blues are, are going to be better for keeping him on deadline day. If you're asking me, do I expect JJ to be in the blue shirt at the start of next season? I would have to say I probably... My expectation would be no. I, I'd say it's probably more likely that, that he goes um, because of where his career is than, than he stays, I think. Do we agree with that? I, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd love for him to still be in a blue shirt from the start of next season, but yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you both and say that my hunch is that he probably won't be. I think um, I think what's important is, again, maybe slightly unpopular, that we don't lose him for nothing. Hmm. Um, you know, because, and he's, he's under 21, so, you know, he'd go to tribunal i think in terms of sorting out fees if he did end up leaving at the end of his contract um we're a long way away from that but i think yeah it's, it's important that you know as much as we would love to see jj in a blue shirt for the next 10 years it that seems at the moment potentially a little bit unlikely um although you never know so yeah i think it's important that when we've got these assets that we you know we're not we don't sell them under market value but equally we don't price themselves out of a move and end up losing them for nothing at, at mm. some point because you know we've, we've seen occasions and examples of that happen over the last few years you know kind of 10 years or so so um yeah I, I i don't think don't think he would be don't think he'll be with us next season but would love for him to be we're we're, we're talking a lot about midfielders today uh next question from seb is Sunich deserves a new contract. Personally, I think Sunich is great for the balance of the team and is an absolute workhorse. The amount of times he wins the ball back with his pressing is absurd. Sunich, Brian, what are you saying? Oh dear, okay. Um, why does he have to win the ball back? Because he's given it away. Um, 
Not not a new contract for me, I'm afraid. And I, I know Ben's spoken about about he brings balance and gives something extra that the that the, the other midfielders haven't got. Uh, uh, not for me. I, I I think it's time to, to for, for Blues to move on. Um, I'd like someone with Sunich's energy and tenacity and um, a bit more technical ability as well. Those, those players do exist. It's not it's not an either or. Um, yes, yes, they, it will cost something. Um, it will cost a lot potentially to get to get someone like that in. Maybe maybe you know what. One of the one of the new midfielders might Dazelle uh, uh, and Peck don't really strike me as great ball winners, mm. but maybe if you had sixty seven percent of the ball, which is what Mowbray wants, then maybe you don't need to win the ball back so often. So for me, the evolution of the team moves away from Ivan Sunich. I'm afraid. Yeah, I think um, I don't think. I mean, Mowbray at Sunderland play with Pierre Equa and Dan Neal as his midfielders. Didn't these two midfielders? I don't think they're great ball winners. Um, Sunderland had most of the ball, didn't they, anyway? So I think long-term, we're probably heading towards two ball-playing midfielders playing those positions. No, no, after you, Ryan. I was just going to say, obviously, when you consider, like, you know, he brought through Lewis Travis as well, Denia Blackburn. Um, mm. It's just having guys in there that are able to tie the ball and are physically capable enough to, you know, get up and down the pitch. Sunyik, I agree with Ben. I think he's got a role for the rest of this season because I don't think we have the type profile of midfielder at the moment that can do that job. And there are going to be times where, you know, we are going to have to bend down matches, win the ball, and you know, have someone in there who is just like a dog chasing the bone. Um, but you know, come the summer, you you can't have a feel. We have to move away from you know the top midfielders. Basically, we've loved for years because we've always been one of the worst teams in the league as far as possession goes and we've had to have those guys in the team. Um, you're just hoping that come the summer you can bring in a guy, you know, you look at a Lewis Travis as an example, yes, he's feisty, can win the ball and all the rest of it, but he's technically very capable, he can take the ball in most positions, you know, he's now playing for Ipswich um, towards the top of the league. Um, that's kind of where you want to go, you want the balance of, yes, he can run around and win the ball and press and do the dogged work and also take the ball in any position on the pitch, which you know, sadly Sonic can't do. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you all as well. As much as I think that he does have a role to play in the next six months, it, he doesn't, for me, have a role to play beyond that point. Um, I think it's yeah, it's time to say thank you, but we move on. As, as you say, Brian, they're not mutually exclusive being technical and being tenacious you can find players that will do both and there are players out there um that we that we, we could bring in and i think we probably should look to bring in um in the summer um but yeah a, ro a role for the next six months but not not after that point for me either fairly emphatic um i'm conscious of time guys we've got we've got a few takes um which i'll, I'll read i don't necessarily think we've got time to to go go deep with all of them uh pink panther says every window seems to close with us having having to fly by the seat of our pants with striker depth here we are an injury away from a bit of a problem i.e if stansfield gets injured uh i know the summer we'll see us overhaul the striking department i think we've talked about the the striker situation and and other players ability to maybe fill a role that Moby can create for them in, in his team. Um, Joe Watson says, I think the club is learning from the mistakes of previous regimes and windows. Getting players in for the sake of it isn't the way forward unless they're going to be directly involved in moving the club forward. I don't want them 
Um, I'm happy we didn't make any late mistakes. I, th I think we'd all echo that, wouldn't we? Mm. Um, no, no panic buys. There wasn't any particular sort of massive hole in 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 the in the team. Like when we brought Longello in, you know, there was there was no, there was no left back or only one left back wasn't there. And so yeah, that 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 does does reflect well on on the club. Uh, and Kieran says, whilst we won't be thinking about the playoffs, we've had a solid window. Brought in a new manager who looks a great appointment and brought in three midfielders who look like they could be central to his style and implementation, all cheap and low risk. We know the summer will be a big one, which is pretty much where we all feel, isn't it? It's when, when this, but when this room in the budget appears, uh, when the pre pandemic contracts are finally off the books and um, hopefully the, the FFP balance is more in blues favor. Okay. Uh, then it's really time to time to kick on. Um, the final point, Alex, do you just want to run through this? Um, you've said that Damien and a few others are asking about the goalkeeper situation. Um, a little bit concerned about, you know, with Ruddy out, just, just having Etheridge and, and Brad Mayo. Uh, yeah. Uh, an emergency loan would be a possibility. And, yeah, go on. Talk, talk yes. us through the situation and what might happen and then we'll wrap it up. So it's in case Etheridge gets injured, then Blues will be able to sign the emergency loan. They'd be able to go and ask any Premier League clubs whether they'd be able to take one of their goalkeepers whether it's two weeks three weeks four weeks whatever um the key yesterday was was the 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 pain up pain up zach G, G Cox contract um obviously because he's a he's a goalkeeper on blues books had neil etheridge got injured then tony mowbray would have been asked to play G Cox in the championship because he has prior experience in the league having played in 21 and 22 um so by releasing him they have made sure that in the event, hopefully it does, fingers crossed, doesn't happen, that Etheridge got injured while Ruddy is out as well, um, they would be able to go and sign a an emergency loan goalkeeper. Um, I believe there is there was a goalkeeper lined up yesterday where, where if Blues had been able to get a uh, a player off the books, but obviously that didn't happen, so they couldn't go and sign anyone else. Um, but yeah, hopefully Blues don't need an emergency goalkeeper. That's the most important thing we should add. Yeah, indeed. Right, brilliant, folks. Thank, thanks very much uh, for your attention, uh, Ryan. Do you just want to tell us again where we can where we can find your stuff? Yeah, so I'm on Substack um, and Twitter or X, um, and my at is uh, Ryan Deany two one nine four. Brilliant, thank you. And do go and check it out. Uh, Ryan writes some really illuminating stuff, um, so do do that. And, and Ben. Uh, yeah, I can be found on on Twitter or X as well uh, at Blues underscore Breakdown. Brilliant, thank you very much. And you know where we are? We're on the Birmingham Live website. Um, please subs hit subscribe uh, either on Spotify or YouTube. Uh, thank you all for joining us, guys, and uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, it's a one big collective. Keep right on from all of us. Mm -hmm.